really good. Good to be with family and friends. Thanks for everyone who came to Encounter School. And uh, if you didn't come, God bless you anyway, too. Uh, quick, we have a resource table back there. Uh, I want to point this out. I've been privileged to be a lot uh, around a lot of powerful things. And um, this is uh, our conference from the beginning of the year, Igniting Azusa East, the Carolina Phenomenon. And this was, quite honestly, just surpassed my highest expectations. There was a, a heavenly transaction between heaven and earth during those days, but also some really key things released. If you live in the state of North Carolina, I really encourage you to grab that. And then uh, these are two things that I'm going to jump in a little bit to this morning, but they're called Faith 101. Um, not only is it impossible to please God without faith, you can't operate in the kingdom without faith, so it's probably a pretty important subject. And I'll just tell you this, too. Um, with the time that we live in, you really need to understand faith. Just really, really important, you know. And um, while there can be an encouragement from the body, there has to be personal responsibility and the ability to have authority over the world that you live in. And you can't have faith, you can't have someone else's faith to battle your mountain. So anyway, this is a DVD teaching also. My notes are in there. Really excited because I'm getting ready to put this in book format. And then also, uh, first book I wrote, it's the best book I ever wrote. Ah, it's also the only book I ever wrote. <laughs> Do you know... Uh, God gives honor to every individual and how you, one of the manifestations by which you've received the honor of the Lord is you do all things well. You don't have to be the best, but you must do your best. You know, so um, that's why it's the best book I wrote. I just, I guess I said that. What God wants to do, in, what, God wants, what God does in individuals, he wants to do in cities, regions, and nations. He makes you a new creature, and then he totally redefines your family line through you, and then he makes you a blessing to the world, and he wants to do that in the lives of cities, regions, and nations. And the Lord has really spoke to me about this subject, because sometimes I feel like, I'm talking about things that are kind of out there. And the Lord really spoke to me. He said, I'm not going to judge the church by what they do. I'm going to judge the church by whether they'll disciple nations. And he goes, just because it's never been done before doesn't mean it's not my will. All right. Well, I mean, it's good anyway, whether you say it's good. I, I'm just like... I don't mean that to be arrogant. I'm just saying the gospel's true whether it ever worked for Abner or not. Like, people are like, hey, well, I didn't teach that in my church. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. We never, I tried. It didn't work. Well, first of all, God never told you to try anything. And just because it didn't work for you doesn't mean it's true. It's true what he said in there. I'm not a, I'm not a biblical scholar or anything like that, but I just know it's true. Like, it's true whether anyone in this room ever wants to apply it or not. So, I just, I got that off my chest. I feel better. Can we just stand and just pray? Because um, I, I think I know what I'm supposed to say, but 
I'm definitely walking by faith this morning. Just lift your hands. Father, we lift our hands as a sign to honor you. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for what you're doing in the earth. And Father, I need your help. Without you, I can't do anything. And with you, I can do everything. So thank you. I, I'm just gonna paint the brush that God wants me to paint today. I'll probably be a little ornery because that's how you've made me, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here. Thank you for the angel of revelation. Let it be like Luke 24, that our hearts would burn as you open the word to us. Open the word to us. Deliver us from mindsets that confine us to be earthbound, God. Father, I bless this house by the authority you've given me. I break the reproach that has tried to come to this house. I break dispersion that's tried to hide around demonic entities that keep forward the move of God. And I say that today begins a new day. The old has passed and the new has come. Thank you for the sounds of heaven coming and the word of the Lord flowing as never before. Let all the gifts of the Spirit, they're already here, but let them all be in operation as you desire. May your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to sort of talk, I, I, well, I don't want to title this before I get going. Um, I want to begin in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, that's New King James, the, the most common translation I read out of. Uh, not a great translation because we know God has no beginning and God has no end. So it's when time began, God created the heavens and the earth. And I, and I, and I said this yesterday. What's interesting to me about God is this, that he doesn't need a place to live, but he creates a place where he puts himself to show us what he desired on the earth. Verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And I want, us to, uh, I want us to look at this from this paradigm that if we can use human terms and human language to describe God, it's this, that God is, is very, very intentional in how he desires things. And God actually describes that Jesus has a mind. So I think it's not a distortion of scripture to say that the mind of God created the universe and was very specific in how it wanted it created. He speaks, and notice, I always say this when we talk about the book of Genesis, and I encourage you to read the book of Genesis because it declares God's original intent to humanity. You cannot understand, I believe, Matthew, the 28th chapter, unless you understand Genesis, the first chapter. And the Bible, God, in my opinion, has a, a foot in the old and in the new. Two-thirds of Jesus' teaching quoted the book of Deuteronomy. So I say this. Apparently, Jesus liked the Old Testament more than many charismatics do. And I don't think God was schizophrenic. I don't think he was a legalistic, torturous God in the old, so he gave the law. I believe in the law there was actually grace to do what he told them because the Holy Spirit wasn't on them, so it was just an outward thing. Now he goes, hey.
they get better because you're gonna realize you're insufficient, so now I'm gonna come inside of you. And then it's not just gonna be for you. I made covenant with Israel, but now my covenant, it, my covenant with my personal opinion, according to Psalm 89, 34, and according to the book of Genesis, that covenant is an eternal covenant. I just believe that. And so that covenant still stands, but the covenant was not just to uh, put Israel up. It was always for the redemption of the earth. He says, I'm making covenant with you so all the earth can be mine. So now that is extended. What was once just given to one nation now is extended to all people. So I, I, I say that to say I don't think that... Uh, you can really understand God unless you understand it. Genesis to Revelation, or if you're a classic Pentecostal or Baptist, it's Revelations. So the revelation of Jesus is old and new through the cross of Jesus. That's how I just see it. So the mind of God creates the heavens and the earth, and then the mind of God speaks the universe into existence, and everything that God spoke happened. Psalm says it, you spoke it, you commanded it, it was done. When God speaks something, he is firmly committed to going, it's going to happen. God believes everything he says, and he wants you to believe everything you say. Get to this in a minute. And so in the midst of creation, he does this in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. So the image is likeness, resemblance, pattern. You're not a little God, but to see Adam was to see what God looked like in the earth. To see Adam properly functioning was to see God because he was God's representative. I know it's right. <laughs> also, part of you, this is such a beautiful thing. Even if you're not in Christ, humanity has been given aspect of the personality of God. According to our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, the image of God, he created him, male and female. Just that settles that whole thing, male and female. I don't know what I am. Go to the bathroom. He created them. God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful, multiply. So the grace for multiplication and to be fruitful is on every human being in Christ. Because you'll notice that everything that was given to humanity in the garden was restored to an even better place in Jesus. Be fruitful, multiply. Nothing noticed too. He blessed them. The blessing was an empowerment to prosper. The blessing was you're living in the garden, you're living in the earth, you have no worry, you have no fear, I got it all taken care of. All you gotta worry about is worshiping me and working the earth according to me. So God said, see, I've given you herb trees, yields that seed which is in the face, and every tree who fruit yields, you shall, it shall be food for you. And also to every beast of the air, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given green herb for food, and it was so. I remember years ago, it was Charles Capps who said, this means you have dominion over all the creepy things on the earth. Now, 
He makes man in his image, and he makes him the representative of the earth. God makes this sovereign choice. He is so bound to his word that as soon as he gave Adam the ability to be his representative in the earth, it was a commitment that stuck. And watch the pattern, though, the the amazing pattern here. God speaks, God speaks, God speaks. He puts man, not in a prayer room, but he puts him in a garden. Because everything unto God is holy. That's why I go out to eat, because it's a holy act. Then God, then out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field. This is really interesting. It's verse 19 of Genesis 2. And brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called the living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a, a helper comparable to him. Now, this is really interesting. Remember, Adam is made absolutely perfect. There is no, excuse me for a moment. There's no flaw in Adam. Adam did not need version 2.0 because God made him. And so now Adam is given the privilege of extending God's kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. And this is what's fascinating. Adam looks at the animals, and I don't know if he knew them through his union with God or when he saw them, he, 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 he knew what to name them, but God creates, God creates through speaking, and then when Adam speaks, he creates. How do we know he creates? Because first of all, the power of words, and the second thing is, when you name it, you prophetically define what it is. And I've always wondered for a while, I was like, how did did he know this? And I don't fully know all the conclusion, but I think verse 25 gives us some understanding. And they were both, if you're from the south, you say naked. If you're from the north, you just say naked. Man and his wife were not ashamed. And I said, what? How many know that God doesn't waste any time in scripture? He's always trying to tell you something. So, wait, wait, they're naked. Okay. Get it. I got it now. Adam's mind was the mind of God. And it was functioning as God intended him. So I believe when he saw those animals... He had the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ produced the words that God intended to, be, to make those animals everything God intended them to be. So now the same brilliance that created the world has been given, not an obviously full, like, I would say, you know, like, this much of God, this much of God. You know, I know we got these things, like, like he's really mature. Yeah, he knows just pretty much nothing about God. Like, you don't ever get out of, like, tiddlywinks in the kingdom. I I mean, I don't know about you. God's really big. So the brilliance of God was given to man to extend the kingdom of God on the earth. Now, we know, and this is just basic theology, corruption entered the world through the choice of humanity. And an important principle to pick up, because I want to touch on it in a minute, is this. Listening to the wrong voice cost Adam and Eve. Listening to the wrong voice today will cost you today. I, I like to think. I like to think a lot because I think, I think a lot about God. I really do. He's beyond genius level. And I like to think about different dyes. Oh, oh what, do you, what does this person think about this group? And, but here's one of the ways the Lord told me that you'll stay in the right lane. 
so you don't get deceived. He said, on things that I'm not expressly clear about, you can have discussion. I mean, like, you know, like end times. I got friends, you know, they're going to take over the world. I got other friends, they're in a bunker right now. And, and they, those friends, they got real nuts when Obama got elected. And my other friends are like, it's okay, it's going to be okay. Like, so I'm cool with that. Like, like, I can see how you can look at scripture and come to a little different conclusion. I got my own opinions, but they're just opinions right now. Another thing, you know, like, well, I shouldn't say, I was going to think of one subject, but I'm all for women in ministry. I like women in ministry. They really bother some people, but I just like, I like, I like having a woman up there crazy prophesying, you know, I think it's good. It's an expression of God. But there's certain things that we can have little disagreements on, right? Like, okay, this person thinks this is, now on other things though, there's no place for discussion. Like I've had people come up to me in place. They're like, I like to discuss to you about homosexuality. No. You're closed-minded. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because here's what happens. The moment you open up yourself to discussion on something that God has made absolutely clear, there's no, que- there's no, 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 no question. You will open up yourself to a deceiving spirit. So, corruption entered the world. The DNA of man was corrupted. And it, this is also important. The DNA of the earth was corrupted. That's why creation knows what it's like to submit to the authority of somebody who knows who they are in God. That's why they're groaning for the sons of God. That's why there are, there are things with land. That's why you should be living in the right place. And so the DNA of uh, the earth was corrupted, but thank God for the good news that Jesus came as the second Adam. 1 Corinthians 15. We're just doing a little theological run through here. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. And the first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust... We also bear the image of the heavenly man. So if you're in Christ, whether you know it or not, you bear the image of a heavenly man. And God has redeemed the poor choice of Adam. He came to earth as a man so he could take dominion back for man from the devil. And now he opens that door through the cross, obviously. One time I was, ooh, just, let me adjust my shoe here. I don't want to fall. One time I was just talking to the Lord and I saw, it's like a, a vision. I went into this vision and in this vision was the cross at the bottom and it went up and I saw Jesus go up on the cross and when he went up on the cross, it bridged heaven and earth. So the cross bridges heaven and earth And that's why everyone now who is in Christ has the privilege of being a citizen of heaven while on the earth. But the earth is still out of order because Jesus was just one. He died so many sons and daughters could come, could could be like him. That's why he says, I'm dying so that many sons and daughters come forth. 
keep this in mind. God always gets a return on his seed. He always does. And now if we are in Christ, a major part of our discipleship process, of our conformity to Jesus, is now to begin to think like God in the earth. If it wasn't important, he wouldn't have said this. Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, and he said, repent. Change the way we think. We know that in this movement. But another part is be converted. That's a really important part. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's an important aspect of who you are in Christ. You not only have switched identities, but you've also switched kingdoms. There's another part of the perversion of the world, as what God never intended is this. Interesting, you use that term Babylon. A system came into the earth that God never intended. It's called the Babylonian system. Don't think Hal Lindsey, don't think 666. What I look at when I see the Babylonian system is this, is man's way of trying to make it in this world. How do I provide for myself? All these thoughts that Adam never had to entertain until he believed the lie. How am I going to make it? I didn't know I was naked. Now I'm naked. Now I'm ashamed. How am I going to take care of Eve? What am I going to do? And the whole world system was built to put pressure upon you that you could not handle. And even when you are in the kingdom of God, you come with your cultural ideas, you come with your familiar ideas, and I, I hit this very strongly this weekend. We all come into the kingdom discipled a certain way. That's why you don't only have to be converted to come into the kingdom, but the mind must be in a continual state of change to be like Jesus. Even more important is this. I, I had this, I, I've been trying to be a student of this for many years of how we think. I was getting ready to, to minister in Alabama about three years ago. I was hopping in the shower, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, I cannot violate the perverted thought processes of man to fulfill my will for their lives. I need to say it again, Pastor Tom. I cannot violate the perverted thought process of man to fulfill my will in their lives. And then I had this thought after that. We are dysfunctional in our ability to relate to God without continual transformation of our mind. Proverbs 23, 7, famous one. For as he thinks, as he thinks, so is he. For as he thinks, so is he. And we see this obviously in the Old Testament. The will of God, bring them into the promised land. They can't shift the way they think. And this is the beautiful thing about God. He never throws you away, but he will agree with your revelation of him in that moment. What do I mean by that? What was the spies report, Numbers 13? The spies report was, they're too big. Way too big. But what was the word of the Lord? You're well able to go up at once. Now, now think about this. This is a beautiful thing. Years later, when when Joshua sends those guys to Jericho, Rahab goes to them, we heard about the fame of your God and our hearts melted. 
God has already set things up in your future if you can agree with it in your mind and get beyond where you're at in your thinking. Isn't that what the scripture, some of you look at, that's what she goes, we melted. Where, where have you guys been basically for the last 40 years? And so this is what God does. If you watch, they cry out to him. First he goes, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> Moses is like, you can't do that. No good, God. No, don't, don't kill him. It's a priestly role. He's like, all right. He goes, but he actually takes the confession out of their mouth and relates to them that way. They go, okay, since they're too big, now go the other way and you're about to journey for 40 years that I never intended you to take you on. I'm not throwing you away. I'm still gonna be with you, but I'm gonna relate to you out of the place where you can't shift your thinking. So now the question is, no shame, no blame. I've been there. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Hey, let me help you with this one too. Just because you leave the church and you haven't changed the issue, it doesn't mean anything's changing. You can, blame, you can blame the leader. You can blame they didn't see your gift. They didn't see your prophecy. You're going to go to another church. And it's going to be awesome for the first few months until your issue comes to the surface again. Changing locations or churches or ministries or apostolic networks doesn't change your issue. And you can be nice and a servant, but if you're dysfunctional, you'll never be transformed. People are like, well, they're a nice person. I'm not saying they're a nice person. I'm not even saying they don't love you. I'm just saying if they don't change that place in their life, they can't mature. I got some amen, so true. So the question is, how do we transform the way we think if our promises, according to the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 2, but we have the mind of Christ. But then he goes further in Philippians 2, is this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I always say, take that verse, like, Put it like up over you or, or like on your wall and then read scripture and you'll watch the mind of Christ in operation. We'll look at it in a minute what that looks like. But the question is, how does our mind be transformed? Here's, here's a simple one. We, we, we really talked about this a lot on Friday night. But uh, by the way, if you want uh, recordings, you can buy recordings. Shameless commercial. But I think it was good enough to say and record. So you should listen to it. How does our mind get transformed? Here's a simple one. We must make a conscious decision to allow our thinking to change. A lot of people want to keep their thinking and want to add God to their current thinking. And they want, the, they want to step into walking on the water without shifting something inside of them. Let me, um, let me just, maybe a more practical way. I know people, and I fully believe it, they have promises for millions of dollars to flow through their hands, and I believe they're godly promises. Just as a side note, Jesus was not poor. Mary and Joseph might have been poor, 
But the wise man showed up with some stuff because maybe apparently, I mean, why would you bring frankincense and incense and myrrh and gold to a little boy? It doesn't make sense. Maybe they needed money. Jesus was not poor. I don't know why I just felt that. Just clear that out of your mind. But they have these words. I'll just use this at a practical level. And who wouldn't want a million dollars? Hey, why not? I, I think personally, I'm, I'm, trying to, I, I'm developing a vision to know what to do with a million dollars. I'm not there yet. Just be very plainly honest. Maybe Sean does. He's visionary over there. He's, he knows he'd spend a million dollars in a day because he's got vision. But they aren't willing to steward the $50 in their hand, not realizing that their current choices and their current thinking is going to define if they'll ever receive the million dollars. And I'm not saying the prophet or the prophetic word can't ever miss it. Not saying that. But often people want to blame the prophetic word instead of taking responsibility for their current thought process. It's gotten quiet, but... We must make a conscious decision to go, it's all on the table. Expose every place of wrong thinking in my life. And I'm presenting myself as the Apostle Paul commanded us as a living sacrifice. And then here's a really key part that I've learned. The measure by which we honor the word of God in scripture and the word of the Lord, the measure by which we honor it will be the measure by which we're able to shift our thinking and produce fruit in our life. Let me explain this to you. Romans 10, 17. Faith Faith, right? Faith comes by hearing. When you come into the kingdom of God, you're given a measure of faith. Everyone is given the measure of faith. The kingdom of God is so good that he knew you couldn't get into the kingdom without him. So he gave you a gift called faith to come in. The faith is not on your own. But when you choose faith, you choose God's enabling power on your behalf. He gives you a measure of faith, but that measure of faith that he gave you, and, and listen, the measure of faith is not determined by how long you've been born again. I know people have been born again 30 years talking tongues and they're still in diapers. They still get offended at the same thing, still get mad when it, the church doesn't end early enough. It, it's just this constant, it's like, I just want to say, God loves you, grow up, please. Everybody knows you're still in diapers except you. Amen. And you use cultural things. Well, I just like things in a traditional way. Well, change. Amen. I liked it when I came to this church in 1980. Well, it's not 1980 anymore. I still wish we were called the vineyard. It's not. God changed. So you should too. Just trying to help you. But he gives you the measure of faith and he wants that measure to, part of the master discipleship plan is he wants that measure of faith to increase. Faith to faith, glory to glory. And what does he use for that measure of faith to grow? He uses the word of God. And this is the beautiful thing about God. He doesn't 
because it's always wrapped up in the context of fellowship with him. It's not like he unloads on, years ago, 20 years ago, he did tell me, so you're gonna go around the world and do this. I had no idea how it was gonna happen. I didn't know how it was gonna function. I didn't know what, what it, how, how I would operate, how I'd relate to the body, but he gave me a forward picture. But if he told me, like about four years ago, I had this conversation in a hotel room with the Lord in the Philippines. And I said, he just, he zinged me with some good stuff about the course of my life, about the ministry. And I said to him, why didn't you tell me this before? He goes, you weren't ready. But what he does is he gives us truth in degrees. And he comes to us in word form and in seed form. And he comes to us in word and seed form because he wants to be able us to apprehend little by little the promised land he wants to take us in. See, he gives you a word about... In international ministry, as he did it me, he'll give me a word 20 years ago. And then he'll start giving me the instructions. So he's going, I'm not going to send you to a traditional, and I've got some training since then. I'm not going to send you to some traditional training school. I'm going to put you in the school of the spirit. And I got real excited until I realized what that looked like. I was so excited, school of the spirit. And I realized that hurts. That looks like everything you touch for about six, seven years looks like it doesn't work. So he comes to us and he gives us truth in degrees and he will release things and he will need the gift of faith operating in you to apprehend that even though you might not understand it. And here's where the transformation process works. When you hear things, it's not beyond the word of God, but when you hear things that you know you're supposed to bring application to your life, the conformed part of you who's not used to following the leading of the Holy Spirit and changing will go, that ain't right. Why? Because you have to remember you've already been discipled and programmed to think a certain way. Now God's trying to teach you like him, and it tells you that's not natural. Well, it's not natural according to how you've been operating, but it's perfectly in sync with how the kingdom of God operates. And the longer you yield to that, you, I was t- telling you the other day, it used to be, Abner, do this. Sure, Lord, I'll do it. But that's kind of a step out there. I'm going to need some confirmation. So everywhere you go, you get confirmation. All right, I'll do it. No problem. Boom. And as you lean in, and and this is one particular area, but he'll expand it in other areas. As you lean into that, now it's not, Abner! It's just like, it just comes to you as a thought in the shower. Will you do that for me? Will you shift the way you think? I remember years ago, when the Lord asked me to give $100, and I had like a, 175 in the bank. The unconformed part of me was going, oh, that ain't Jesus. Jesus is more practical than that. No, no, no. What I didn't know then that he since taught me, he said, had nothing to do with money, Abner. I'll bring money to your house. And he, yeah, I'll get you the money, all the money you'll ever need. 
I want to know if you trusted me. And then when you don't have a lot of money, there's a tendency to go, ooh, 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 ooh. But he promised me great increase years ago. He told me. He goes, oh, I gave you a little money. But your heart's wrapped around it because you don't have a lot of money now. So give that away. And you get delivered from fear and all that sort of stuff. I remember, my mom goes, that's not very practical. I said, I know, but it's the Lord. So how you choose to honor that word will define where you go. And every time you hear the word, there's always a challenge to what you hear. I could, I normally teach out of all this, but look at Matthew 13, 18. I encourage you to read Matthew 13 again because it explains the parable of the sower. And you'll watch, he gives this explanation and in every time the word was sown, it didn't matter if it produced or not produced or anything like that. There was always a challenge to the word of God. I'm telling you, the good news is as he's given you courage, he's given you grace, he's given you boldness. But you got to be bold to walk in the kingdom of God. Jesus is not a Bernie hippie drinking a latte. He is a mighty warrior roaring and looking for bold people. Got real quiet when I said it, but it's true anyway. Matthew 13, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches what is sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Okay, so he says, he who hears the word and then doesn't understand it. Now, this is really interesting. Look at Hebrews 11 now. Is it possible to get these scriptures up there? If it's not, it's cool be cool to have them up there. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, elders obtained a good testimony. Now, verse 3 is really, really important because he says, he who hears the word of God but doesn't understand it, it's stolen. And then the writer of Hebrews explains how faith operates. By faith, verse 3, we understand. That's really important because a lot of people want to understand and have faith. So I believe it's interchangeable with Matthew 13. It says, he who, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this. He who hears the word of God but doesn't wrap their faith around it, gets the word stolen. It doesn't say we understand and have faith. It says by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were seen were not made of the things which are visible. Why is this so important? Because... 
in environments or wherever, I, I, as I've learned this concept, I've tried to make a conscious decision. I don't care. I remember years ago walking out of a church. It was late one night. I had to fly somewhere the next morning to minister. And I saw this lady, and I knew the elevator didn't go to the top floor. I knew it. And I'm walking back, and the Lord said, stop. She's going to give you the word of the Lord. And every, I don't understand most things people tell. I remember years ago getting a prophetic word from amazing CI prophet, Gary Brooks. And he, he, uh, he's giving me this word. I thought he was ministering to someone else because it was like, that's an awesome word, whoever's getting that. And he was ministering to me because I was on the floor. I thought he was done. So you don't have to understand it as we think as Westerners. You just have to wrap your faith around it. There's a command, and again, this is all in the context of fellowship with God because he commands us. No one's arrived, no one's perfected, but there's a command to grow in the knowledge of God. So here's what happens as you walk with him, as you give yourself as a living sacrifice to him. Again, he gives you truth in degrees. Why? Because I can tell a two-year-old today, this is what's going to happen in your life. This is, I can give them all. And I go, did you understand that? And they can shake their head because they understand the English language. But they have no processing system to apply what they've just heard. So God will give us truth in degrees in the context of relationship. And he throws it out in the seed of the word of God. And he throws it out and he goes, I've given you a measure of faith. Because I want you to wrap your faith around it. Because I want this word to go deep down in your heart and begin to define how you think, how you operate, and how you move from that day forward. And so I've made this conscious decision as much as I can. I'm sure I've missed it. But if someone goes, I have a word from the Lord, I'm listening. If a child goes, this is what, I don't even care. if It doesn't have to be personal words. It just has to be what God is doing in the room. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I'm in places where other speakers are speaking. And in my heart, he's, he, said, he said, you're being delivered of, of, of any, he said something about finance. I stood up. I said, I believe the man of God. Because I don't want a moment to go by. I may not understand it, but I don't want a moment to go by where I don't receive that word from the Lord. And then Paul Paul prays that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The whole prayer is this. There are things that we don't know yet that we need to know. So it operates. Spirit of revelation operates, unlocks a door, discloses something about one particular area of your life. But faith must grab revelation and go deep in your heart and make it a settled issue in your heart. And you'll find this. I read this to this guys, and I'm going to land the plane here. Well, I, there's going to something else is going to happen. But look at First Samuel 17, verse 20. Well, I want to skip on a little more. Okay, verse 22 is a good place to start. 1 Samuel 17, verse 22. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper 
and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of, the Goli- of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the... Sorry, I paused for a minute. Coming up from the armies of the Philistine, he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Verse 24 is really important to the context of what I'm trying to get across here. And it's this. All these men were not immature believers. They were actually trained for battle. They'd all been to voice of the apostles. They'd all been, Randy laid hands on them eight times. They'd been to Pastor Tom's leadership school. In 1980, they went to Bill Hammond, personal prophecy. There is a prophet. They believe in the apostolic. They are all, they got a Chuck Pierce sword. Lord Jesus, they got everything. I'm just throwing things out there that we use. There's nothing wrong with those. These are training things. These are people who have not, these are people who are trained for battle and represent the army of the living God. And that's what you are. But they hear something and they're afraid. But this is interesting, verse 25. So the men of Israel have said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and it should be that the man who kills him with the king will enrich him with great riches and he will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. This is so fascinating because they, they have revealed knowledge of the end goal in mind. They do not wrap faith around it. And David now gets revealed knowledge from them, takes what the revealed knowledge, takes it and goes, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that as my faith stone. And they go, he's too big. And this is where the wubba meets the road. They all heard the same thing. In fact, they knew they had, They had more theological understanding about that subject than David himself. But here's what I'm convinced of. They didn't have the life of fellowship David had. He knew their God. They knew an idea about God. And here's the final point I want to make to encourage us to grow in this thing. If we do not grow and do not allow the dealings of, and he's really gracious, you know, you miss it, he'll get it to you 10 times. Okay, he's good. If you've got a problem with authority, you get a job where you struggle with that and you switch jobs and you still haven't dealt with that issue, He'll give you another boss that you'll have problems with. No problem. It's good. He'll help you. How do I know? I got it the second time around. The issue's me. If we don't progress in personal truth and in corporate truth we will cease to be relevant to what God wants to do in the earth. And I'll I'll read this last group of scriptures to you. 
Mark 2, verse 18 through 22. Disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. They came to him. Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. Verse 19, and Jesus said, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new wine piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine on an old wineskin, or else the new wine bursts, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. No, this is, this is really important because two groups of people have now merged here. Pharisees get a really bad name, but they had a good motives. See, good motives, wrong thinking, perverted result. That, what I mean, they had good results. They thought if they could stay law compliant, they could hasten the coming of the Messiah. And they focused so much on how they could do it and added so many things to that that they created a religious system that they were empowered by. And eventually they were so empowered by it, they they knew that if if Jesus really came as a lawgiver, then they'd lose all their power. But this other group is really interesting because it's the disciples of John the Baptist. Why, why, Why is that important? Because these are not people who cannot hear from God. In fact, they were original weirdos in the earth. Most of the established religious community thought he was, was, you know, they had bad, if if there was websites, they had bad websites about him. And they wrote slanderous things and, you know, like he's out there, you know, he hasn't hasn't gone to any theological training school and he's out in the desert and like he's, he's out there. But these guys were discerning enough to know John is the one sent from God to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Why is that important though? Because you have to so guard your heart. Because just because you're on the cutting edge of something in one day, it doesn't mean God continues in that cadence the next day. And so now you find these guys who are on the cutting edge. They, went, they were the first ones who went to Toronto. <laughs> they were the ones giving the videotape to the pastor and go, can we get this in our church? But somewhere along the line, the cadence switched. And now they're asking Jesus a question that is incongruent to what he's doing in the earth. And this is even more fascinating. Fasting is not a bad thing. Fasting is not of the devil. Fasting is not, of the, they are actually doing a righteous religious act. But the synchronization of heaven in that moment is totally out of step with fasting. And they're over here going, why aren't you fasting? Because this is the way we usually do it. And God's over there and he has switched his cadence and their thinking is incongruent to receiving what Jesus is doing in the earth. And so where there is no progression of truth, you will cease to become relevant. Because there's a group called the Pharisees that is now known as the religion of Judaism. Because there was no progression of truth. I'm glad I said that before. Somebody think the wrong thing about how I think about certain things. There is no 
religion of Judaism in the earth that comes even close to anything found in scripture. It's totally pagan, it's totally foreign, and it's, to, it's, it's totally not anything close to, to what anything that anyone would ever follow in the Old Testament, no matter what they tell you. And so what happened? You have a whole group of people who it was always supposed to point to Jesus the Yeshua Messiah, the breaking in of the kingdom of the age to come here and now. There was no reception of them, so now everything that they're doing is totally irrelevant to anything God is doing in the earth. That's why me personally, you can do whatever you want. I don't give to secular Jewish causes. I give to people who believe in the salvation of the Jewish people. I'm like, uh, why would I give money to ISIS? Amen. Why would I give money to a pagan? Amen. Got one last. Here it is. I always like to, um, in education, there's expected outcomes. And I'm certainly not saying I've arrived in this place, but I believe Jesus gives us an expected outcome of what the transformed mind looks like in Matthew, the eighth chapter, verse one. And we had to come down from the mountain. Sean, the Lord wants you to know not to worry that every place where the enemy tried to steal from you, God's going to restore sevenfold. And you're right on God's radar. He'll cancel the debts. He'll bring back the relationships. And he'll open a door no man can shut. Lord just told me you've been very faithful. He's very pleased with you. And the Lord says you, you didn't... Um, you weren't a failure and you didn't fail. You just got tired. You just got tired. That's why he's giving you a rest. So in this next season, the Lord says, use the wisdom of God to rest in the right seasons. And he'll put a team around you that can handle things when you can't do them. When he had come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. Behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I want you to listen really careful to this because this blew my mind one day. Then Jesus put his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Let's go back to who Jesus was. He's fully God, fully man. According to Philippians 2, he's placed himself within the limits of humanity. He doesn't say, God is willing. He says, I am willing. There was a synchronization, I believe, in the mind of Jesus and the mind of heaven where he knew, I don't need to even ask about this one. This is the will of the Lord. Got quieter here. 
But I believe the integrity of the scripture backs up what I just said. It doesn't say God is willing. He says, I'm willing. And then he says, we have the mind of Christ. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I don't throw that out there to put dispersion on us just to go, there's a goal and there's a place God would like me to live where I know he is willing and what he's willing to do in every situation. He's willing to save everyone in your family who's unsaved. He's willing to break you out of all financial bondage. He's willing to deliver you of every struggle, of every fear. He's willing to get everyone saved in Wilmington. He's willing to bring, like, I know it's, it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. It's the right prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. But as much as you want him to come, he wants to come a whole lot more. Yes. Question you might want to ask yourself, and I go, I go a little over. Question you might want to ask yourself, what if we ended at 4 o'clock every Sunday? Amen, let's go. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's a meme about, out about that. When that person says, go ahead, pastor, and you're ready to go home. Do <laughs> you receive this word? If you receive this word, just lift your hands. In Jesus' name. Father, let the word of the Lord go deep in our hearts. Let anything that was said that's not of you just break off people. But the Lord would say that this is indeed a new season. On Pentecost Sunday... I speak to you about the ways you think because the Lord says, I am opening a door for you to begin to think differently. There's a door of glory, the Lord says, that I'm opening even now and even today for the glory of God to come. The Lord says, I have whimpered in previous seasons. You thought it was a roar, but the Lord says, I'm about to roar not only through this house, but in this city. The Lord says, I'm breaking down even today distractions, weeds, offense, things that would come against the purpose of God and relationships that have been fractured. And the Lord says, I'm releasing a river of healing to bring restoration to relationships, to offense, to minds and hearts that have been off balance in the things of God. And the Lord would say, this door is open, but I indeed declare to a new day for a new way. The Lord says, it's a new day for a new way. It's a new day for a new way. But the new way must come with a new way of thinking. It must come with upgrade understanding of the nature of who I am. The Lord would say, begin to visit the prophetic record again. As you have been faithful to do, begin even, Mama Shaka, there's something that happened here even 10 years ago. There's a word that was released that you need to revisit because it applies in this season. And it will even give you blueprint for the next six months of the course of the church. The Lord says, revisit the testimonies, revisit the prophetic utterance that I've given you. For the Lord would say, the word of the Lord has already been given to you for even the next season. The Lord says, you are supposed to be a place that goes to the nations, but also impacts nations. The Lord would say, I desire for you to believe me for the nations to gather, the African-Americans to gather, the Koreans to gather. Call them in, in the name of Jesus. Call them in, call them in to their rightful place. Call in the harvest. 
And even in this new season of change, the Lord says, you must contend for harvest. I want to bring the lost in. I want to bring those who even are living on the streets right now. I want to bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I want to bring in the drug addict. I want to bring in the homeless man. I want to bring in the broken families. I want to bring them in. Will you open your heart to them? Will your heart be open to them? Will your heart be okay with even the cultural things you won't understand about them? For deep in the womb of this house is a seed for harvest, and now you must speak to that seed to let it come forth. I desire for you to contend for a harvest of souls every time you meet here on a Sunday morning. The lost, the backslidden will begin to come, and it will release, says the Lord, an an accelerating grace, an accelerating grace, accelerating grace for the harvest to come. Harvest, mamasha. Harvest, abundance and fruitfulness. Harvest, abundance and fruitfulness is your divine inheritance. So the Lord would say, take the posture, even like Mary took the posture. Take the posture of do whatever he says. And the Lord would say even to individuals and families in this room, there is a redeeming word. There's a word that will help you with your mountain. And if you will listen, it will change the trajectory of the season you now find yourself. Some of you find yourself in situations you never dreamed of. Some of you find yourself in a storm that you did not expect. But I say to you, the word of the Lord will come. And if you will receive it, you will prevail in this season. I know I'm way done, but you have to do a prophetic act. You, you don't have to do it if you don't want to, but there's a fire of God here in the reception of the word. One, two, three, if you just receive the word, I invite you as an act of unity, Global River, just come and receive the word of the Lord. Receive it as an act of faith and just, whoa, receive. Yeah, that's what it is. It's Pentecostal fire. It's a restoration It's an acceleration. More, Lord. Just lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we we present our bodies as living sacrifice and we receive fire, 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 fire. Fire for your situation. Fire for healing. Fire for the healing of your back. Fire for your mind. The Lord says, I'm gracious. I'll help you. Inch by inch. Shift by shift. I'll help you. In the process of God. I'll help you. I'll give you courage to do what you could not do before. Somebody, there's just this angel of fire just standing before you. Just receive it. In the name of Jesus, every word of judgment that has found any root in this house is broken today.
don't know why I said that, but every evil word, even things that were not intended as judgments, I break their power in Jesus' name. I release freedom where at times it was difficult to break through. I restore the voice that is supposed to come to this house. Mamaya. The Lord says there's a roar that not only restoring, but I want to amplify. So amplify the voice in here, God. Amplify the voice of your people. We will follow the Lord and he will roar like a lion.